When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm super excited to be welcoming back Laura Vanderkam to the show. Laura's been on the show twice before, and this time she's back to discuss her new book, Off the Clock, Feel Less Busy while getting more done, which when I heard that title felt like an impossible outcome, so instantly I was intrigued. As I dug through the book, I found that it was a great way to change your perspective on time, and that time is limited and finite, but is also plentiful. To find out more, you'll have to listen to this conversation I had with Laura, and in fact, you're going to probably find that this conversation, more than most conversations in this show, ties together a lot of the different topics that are covered beyond the to-do list. When it comes to the perspective of time, it is such an overarching game changer that I can't help but think that this is kind of a gateway into productivity and doing it better and doing it right than a lot of other approaches. So let me get out of the way so you can listen in on this conversation with Laura Vanderkam. This week, I'm actually super thrilled to be welcoming back Laura Vanderkam to the show. Laura, welcome back. Thank you for having me again. I appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. So when I found out that you had a new book out, you know, my my instant instinct is, okay, I have to have you back on the show regardless of what the book's about because, you know, you've been on twice before and you've written incredibly great books on, I wouldn't call them on productivity, but they're connected to it in a lot of ways, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah, there, there's always a productivity element, um, but I'm, you know, always trying to get people to think about their time in a in a little bit of a different way. When I saw what it was about, and in fact, um, the whole idea of feeling less busy but getting more done seems so contradictory that I thought, okay, how's she going to pull this off? And then I got into it and I realized, oh, you're talking about the perception of time and how we can kind of live in the be- in between of being so aware that time is this finite resource and yet at the same time living in it and feeling like we have more of it. Yeah, I really do believe that time is precious and time is plentiful. And and it sounds like that's a paradox, but but one of the amazing things about paradoxes is that they often can both be true. Both sides can be true if you're viewing it from a broader perspective. And so that's really what I cover in Off the Clock. Yeah. So yeah. And then that's the other thing is off the clock feels like this kind of, well, I've checked out. Now I'm not getting anything done. And that's further there. You know, there's nothing that could be further from the truth. Again, this book is all about productivity and not about productivity. Uh, In fact, in the uh, intro that I've not yet recorded, but have written for this episode. So wrap your mind around that one. Um, this, the things that you talk about in this book are so 
connected to all of the tangentials of beyond the to-do list of not just being about the day-to-day checking off the things on your list, but about living in your life. And, you know, again, what you always talk about and, and talk about a lot is tracking your time, even in this book. And in fact, that kind of tracking your time, being accountable for your time, again, kind of feels like an antithesis to just sitting back and enjoying it, right? Yeah, except, I mean, and as you know, you you need to know where the time is going in order to transcend this sort of sense of ceaseless ticking. Because when I know where my time goes, I can feel more relaxed about it. I, I know there's not something I'm not doing. Right. I know where the time is going. I know how much time I'm allocating to different spheres of my life, to different projects. I know what's coming coming up. I know what I've done in my past and sort of can celebrate that as well. And and so this sense of satisfaction and knowledge um, is really what gives us time freedom. And, and I know, again, we got this paradox here, but the time discipline leads to time freedom. Um, and I think if we can get our heads around that idea. It opens up all sorts of possibilities. Yeah. And ultimately, we're talking about being a good steward of this finite but plentiful resource, right? Yeah, because, I mean, if we're not good stewards of it, we won't do what we want to in life. Uh, it's these, this gift we've been given and that we want to make the most of it and, and reach our potential and, and do what we can to make the world a better place while we're here. And part of that comes from using our hours wisely. Yeah. And, and I think that's the other thing is if we're not practicing a mindfulness or an awareness, then it's, it's happening whether or not we're aware of it anyway. So why not be aware of it and then have a proper perspective, right? Yeah. And one of the things that makes time so difficult to use well is that it does keep passing, uh, whether we think about how we are spending it or not. And so it is so easy to spend time mindlessly. And many of us do spend time mindlessly. I know I, I, know <laughs> I do. Um, the good thing, though, about tracking my time is that I then have to acknowledge how much time I have spent mindlessly. And if I ever find myself saying, oh, I don't have time for X, Y, or Z, I can look at my logs and say, I'm pretty sure that you do have time for X, Y, or Z. You just elected not to do it. Uh, and that is sometimes a little bit of a bracing uh, feeling, but I've, I do think the truth sets us free. So let's step back for a second, because you know, you with your past books have talked all about not only tracking your own time, but tracking the time of others. And then basically coming to us like a scientist and saying, look what I found out. And I'd love to talk a little bit about what in your time logs led you to this subject matter in this way. Yeah, I've been having people track their time for years. I have tracked my own time now continuously for three years, which is, is interesting to me. I'm not sure how interesting it is to anyone else, but I can see you know, where my time has gone um, for, for every half hour of the past three years. And I am not about to bore your listeners with a recitation, but um, it it's fascinating to see in black and white what our lives look like. And I think a time log is a good way to see that. For, for this particular book, I had um, I wanted to know how people felt about their time. And I wanted to understand why 
some people feel like they have enough time for the things they want to do. And other people do not feel like they have enough time for the things they want to do. And in particular, I wanted to take out the obvious variables. So we know from large scale surveys that people who work full time feel like they have less time for the things they want to do than people who do not. So we're going to go ahead and only take people who work full time. We're only going to look at those people. Um, We also happen to know that people who have children at home um, feel like they have significantly less time than than people who do not. So I also said, well, let's let's look at people who have children at home. So we have people who work full time, have kids at home. I had. 900 of these busy people track their time for a day. And then I asked them questions about that day, which happened to be March 27, 2017. But it's a normal day. And I asked them how they felt about their time, how they you know, felt about their time generally, how they felt about their time yesterday, various things about their lives. And then I could compare schedules of people who had the highest time perception scores and the people have the lowest time perception scores. So what are the actual differences between people who feel like they have abundant time and people who feel like they are starved for time, pressed for time. And that is what this book is about looking at the different strategies to make us feel like we do have more time. One of the biggest things that I think stuck out to me was the finding that you typically will find a proper perspective or what was it again? How did you put it? A higher time awareness or time score, the score? Yes. I guess I high time perception score, high time sense of time abundance or any of those ways you want to describe it. Yes. So basically people who feel like they have more time or have all the time in the world, you know, that it's because they have a proper perspective and they're doing something that I think is really unique. It's something that it's a kind of a mixture of things that I've talked about with a lot of different people on this show before, which is kind of one part morning routine, one part contemplative exercises, you know, prayer, journaling, even exercise fits in there that they're doing these things that other people are like, I don't have time for that. And yet these people are doing those things and have all the time in the world. It is so true. Um, Reflective activities is one of the variables I looked at. So any of those things that fit in those lines of journaling, meditating, praying, you know, anything that makes you pause and reflect on your life. And people who had the highest time perception scores um, were far more likely to do these things. They did these things more times per week. They devoted more time to them than the people who had the lowest time perception scores. In fact, about you know half the people who had the lowest time perception scores never did any of those activities. <laughs> and it's not that these things take any time whatsoever. I mean, you could reflect in the shower. <laughs> you could write in a journal for three minutes. Um, And in fact, the people who had the lowest time perception scores, it's not that they had no leisure time. They actually spent more time on social media, more time watching TV, more time doing those sorts of things um, than the people with the high time perception scores. So they had leisure time. They just used it in different ways. And so I'm saying if you elect to use some of that, um, you know, time that you have a choice over how to use, if you use some of that for reflecting what happens is that you look at your life and you see what you're doing with your life and you see what you have done with your life. And taking a few minutes to do this makes you feel like you have more time. Um, so, so a very wise investment. Yeah, definitely. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think that, again, I probably have some blind spots there. 
Uh, <laughs> a lot of people do actually. Uh, we all do when it comes to like, how am I spending my time? I feel like, no, you know, like I'm not wasting time spending too much time, uh, on my phone or on social media or watching TV, et cetera. But if I were to be honest with myself and started to track my time, uh, again, I don't see, I don't consistently track my time, but every once in a while it's like, all right, things are out of whack. I need to sit down and do that. So in fact, let's go there. Like you have done it now for three years consistently. How would you suggest somebody who's a newbie at this start tracking their time or even just do like a quick audit? Yeah. I mean, I would not say set out to do three years. That's probably right, <laughs> right. like, a lot to bite off. Um, you know, first try a day. Like you could sit there, whatever time you're listening to this podcast, what have you done since you woke up in the morning? Um, okay. I mean, maybe you're on your morning commute, so you haven't actually done all that much at this point, but you can write down what it is that you've done and maybe just make, you know, set an alarm for four or five hours from now. And then at that point, sit down and write what you've done for the past few hours couple hours after that, sit down, you know, and, and so just maybe check in four times during the day to see what you've done since your last check-in. Um, I use spreadsheets that are in half-hour blocks to track my time. You don't have to do that. You can just write it down on a list, like a piece of paper. It really doesn't matter what tool you use. Uh, but just write it down and see it and look over it and say, well, that's interesting. You know, how many hours am I working? How many hours am I in the car? How many hours am I spending with my family or friends? You know, what kind of hobbies am I doing? What is my leisure time? What am I sleeping? Um, if you can get through a day, that is awesome. Then maybe you try another day. <laughs> and I would encourage people if they're going to try this to do maybe at least one weekday and one weekend day, um, because weekends are part of life. And yet people never seem to think of them as typical days that they right. should track. Uh, and, and once you've done maybe one weekday and one weekend day, you sort of get a sense of what time you have. Then maybe you try it for a whole week. Um, I think a week is a really good goal for most people. You can try to choose what you think of as a typical week. One of the first things almost everyone discovers is that there are no typical weeks uh, because you'll be like, oh, wait, well, that wasn't a typical work week because I had a dentist appointment on Tuesday morning. So maybe I shouldn't have done that week. But then you're like, well, but then the next week, you know, you, you had a power outage at your office. So everyone was working from home on Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> like, you know, there's always something. Yes. Um, so that's an interesting phenomenon, but try to track for a week because then you really see sort of the unit of life as we live it. Um, people discover all kinds of things. A common one is that, you know, you might feel like you're working a lot. The actual number is, is often a little bit lower than people think it is. We, we tend to put a high number on feeling like we're working a lot. Um, but it's good to know what that number actually is, because then we can say, well, what are the choices I wish to make within this time? How much time do I have when I'm not working so I can choose good things to do within that not working time? Um, you know, sleep is sometimes uh, a little bit more heartening than we might have imagined. Um, people often discover that they're sleeping less than they want during the week, but they may be making that up later in the week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, so that the overall total talk comes out okay. Uh, many people see that they do have some leisure time. Again, it may not be as much as they want, but it's not none, which is often the story that we are telling ourselves. <laughs> None is a bit of a defeatist story. Nothing we can do about that, but not as much as I want is, is something we can do something about. We can, you know, make good choices within it. We can maybe try to scale it up over time. So these are all important things to discover and, and is a good reason to track your time. That's great. Yeah. I think that, um, 
I think that that aiming for a week really is an ideal scenario. Cause I mean, if you get into a month, uh, you're kind of overreaching in some ways, whereas like there's a natural rhythm to, you know, a certain amount of work days or school days with the kids or having a weekend that you can kind of say, yeah, okay, this is a natural, you know, recurring rhythm that we have 52 times in a year. Um, and definitely starting first with a, a day and even trying to say, okay, what is my ideal? What does an ideal day for me look like? Like not even what is it that I have, uh, as a typical day when I'm tracking my time right now, but now that I know that, what can a, what could or really, you know, what can I aspire to as an ideal day? You know? Yeah, an ideal day, an ideal week. I think a good way to think of this is maybe not ideal, but like a realistic ideal sure, day. Sure, yes. That's a great realistic caveat to have. ideal <laughs> week. Because, you know, in my real ideal day, like I have a flying car and nobody else does. So, <laughs> I'm like, you know, the traffic is not bothering me. It, that is clearly not going to actually happen. Um, but I might be able to say, okay, well, within the constraints of my current life, what would I like to spend a day doing? What would I like to spend a week doing? And then when you have that idea, you can start to say, well, how can I put more of those things into my actual realistic, real week and real day and, and go from there. I mentioned earlier this idea that you bring up in the book called blind spots. And obviously we're going to start to uncover those as we look at what we've tracked in our time, in our, in our day and in our week. And how do we deal with these blind spots that are in a sense in our way as roadblocks to that ideal or realistic ideal day and week? Well, we all have blind spots about our time. And I include myself in this category. I have, uh, you know, when I track my time, I started doing it continuously. I discovered that I work fewer hours than I thought I do. I had tracked my time here and there over the years for a week. And I'd always worked about 50 hours a week. And then I started tracking my time continuously. And I realized that I had chosen very specific weeks to track in the past, which were weeks when I was working 50 hours a week, because I wanted to see that as my number. And then I, I was able to you know, track my time continuously. I saw that I was choosing specific weeks. So I, when I looked at my time more holistically, I saw that I had blind spots with this. I thought... I didn't spend much time in the car because, you know, most of the time I'm working out of a home office, but it turns out that in fact, I'm in the car for about an hour a day. And that was time that I was really doing nothing of any consequence with. I was listening to like top 40 radio, which I don't even like top 40 radio, but it was just on my car and I hadn't thought to do anything about it. So, you know, these are, these are all blind spots that are there. And it's, it's not really about this case of like, gotcha. Like I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, catch anyone like, Oh, you said you had no time. And look, you're watching big bang theory for (laughs) young Sheldon marathon. I mean, that's fine. If you love it. Great. It's more that we want to know where the time is going so that we actually can use good data. I mean, you know, if we want to change things about our life, we want to make sure we're working from the right data. Cause if you don't have it, how do you know you're changing the right thing? Like if I had thought, 
oh, I'm working crazy hours. I need to scale that down. And then I track my time. I say, actually, I'm really not working all that crazy hours. Sometimes it feels like it, but it really isn't. Well, then, then I'm working with a different issue. I'm working with like, well, how am I managing my energy during my work hours? Am I making sure that I'm spending my work hours on the things I want to be doing that I find more energizing as opposed to the things I find so draining? Um, am I doing enough stuff in my personal life that makes me feel like these personal life hours exist as opposed to only work hours exist because those are the only ones I'm thinking of. I, you know, there's just, we want to make sure that what we think is the problem is actually the problem before we solve it. Yeah, totally. Because you can come across something and say, well, wait a second. I thought I was working a whole lot more, like you said, but in fact, I'm working a lot less. So then why do I feel like I'm working all this time that I'm in fact not? What's the deeper issue here? Yeah. And often it's that it's draining for some reason, which let's figure out why that is. Or, you know, it's stuff that maybe isn't in your your sweet spot and you want to be spending more time on the things you actually do enjoy. And also, I think it really is that people don't think about how they're using their personal and leisure time and, you know, to extend their family time too. And when we don't think about these things, then that time feels like it's less there. It feels like it doesn't exist. I mean, I tell people that, you know, there's 60 hours between Friday at 6 PM and Monday at 6 AM. Um, it often doesn't feel like it, but I'm, you know, that's quite a bit of time. Or if you track your time, I, my weekly spreadsheets start Monday at 5 AM, go Monday to 5 AM. So Monday, 5 AM is the start of the week, which means that the halfway point is 5 PM Thursday. Now, you think about that, like 5 p.m. Thursday sounds somewhat like the end of the week, (laughs) but but it isn't. It's the halfway mark. There's just as much time afterward, and yet it doesn't feel like it because we often spend less effort thinking about what we want to do at that time. We're less mindful of it. We're less, you know, intentional with it, Um, but we don't have to be. We can be more intentional about it, and then that time will feel like it is bigger and more vast. Well, and even people who start their week or, you know, by a calendar week where it's like Sunday morning, still Wednesday at 5 p.m. would be, I think, the shift, right? And that still feels like, whoa, this a whole half of a week is gone. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's there's more time than we think <laughs> is often <laughs> the case. The problem is it just doesn't occur at the times that we're wishing we had more time. You know, we, we, it, it's sort of one of these difficulties of human nature that we wish we had more time. And yet some of the time we have, we are often wishing away. Uh, and, and so getting away from that wishing time away is, is key to feeling like we have more time. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent 
fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you enjoy Beyond the To-Do List, I invite you to check out Best Laid Plans. I'm Sarah Hart Unger, the host of Best Laid Plans, a podcast devoted to all things planning and planning adjacent. I talk about everything from paper planner reviews to deep dives into all things productivity, from keeping track of goals and tasks to fitting in your true priorities and reducing the stress around planning and organizing across different areas of life. I am a practicing physician and mother of three, so I have a lot going on in my own life and I'm intimately familiar with the time constraints that impact us all. And I love sharing my own productivity strategies and learning from others who have their own ideas to share. I invite you to check out Best Laid Plans, available on all podcast platforms, or visit my website, theshoebox.com, T-H-E-S-H-U-B-O-X.com, to learn more. Well, you've been able to free up a lot more time, or I should say, have a better awareness of the time that you had and then allocate it differently. You've been, you've been doing a lot more reading. Would you mind maybe taking that as an example of how going from tracking to uh, a desire for something you want to use the time differently for, and then actually accomplishing it? Yeah. So I tracked my time. The first year I tracked, I had read 327 hours, which sounds really good, right? Like that's almost an hour a day. So certainly like I'm not, you know, not reading, but I noticed that I didn't have a whole lot of good books. I could say I had read in that time. And it turned out a lot of it was like headlines, magazines that I, you know, didn't particularly care about to, you know, read, read enough self-help type magazines. You know, you've read the same story on how air popped popcorn is a great low calorie snack about 10 times. Like I don't need to read that story again. And so I was looking at, it, I was like, you know, I should make a change with this. And so I realized I do have reading time in my life. I just need better things to read. And so I started building in time to choosing books. Um, I started looking at more of the list that uh, Ann Vogel, I know some of your listeners probably listen to the What Should I Read Next podcast. Um, if they don't, they should <laughs> because it's great. Yes, they should. Um, or, or read her, her blog, which is Modern Mrs. Darcy, uh, that she has lists of you know different kinds of books. And you know, I could tell from the list, like whether I'd like a book or not. I certainly wouldn't like every book on the list, but I could tell from her write-ups whether I would like it or not. So that was helpful. I started, you know, reading a little bit more. I decided that I was not going to be cheap about book buying. Um, like, you know, I make my own lunch most days. Maybe I would just say, well, other people go out to lunch. I will use that money for books. Uh, so I would do that. I put the Kindle app on my phone. This was actually a huge thing. Um, so if any of your listeners have not done this, put an e-reader app on your phone and then start loading eBooks onto it because you will notice in your life that it is very easy to pick up your phone. And look at it. And maybe you check email first, but then you do something else. And what is that something else? <laughs> it's often you're cycling through the same news sites or apps or whatever. Use that time to read instead. Even in these little five, 10 minute chunks, you will get through so many books. I actually read War and Peace on the Kindle app on my phone 
in these chunks of time, I bet you could get through it too. Wow. <laughs> because there's a lot of time that we waste, like looking at little things on online. So I did that. I started tracking, you know, what books I was reading. And the result is that I have, I've definitely been reading more. I've been using more of the time that is potential leisure time as reading time. And when I don't do these things, I, I notice it too. Like I spent a lot of time reading this weekend because I was reading a great book. I happened to finish it yesterday morning uh, and I didn't have another book lined up. And so last night I was just scrolling through a bunch of like random stuff online and I was reading a couple of magazines that I didn't care about too that we happen to have around the house. I was like, wow, I feel like I haven't done anything this evening. I feel like this is such a waste of time this evening that I had leisure time and I know I didn't use it for anything I care about. And the, the upside of time tracking is I know that now. And, you know, I'm not saying I always act on that knowledge, but I do know it. Um, so I've got some books on order that should hopefully show up today or tomorrow. Yeah. Well, and having that data again, allows you to make decisions based on the truth. Based on the truth. I mean, why, why base our decisions on something else? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, we have all these impressions of how we spend our time, but let's find out for sure if they're true before we make any changes. Yeah. Well, and one of the other things you talk about is not uh, filling the time randomly or aimlessly in, in even this idea of starting from a blank slate. Like if you were to start from zero and add back in the things you're doing right now, which things would you add first and then which things would you leave off? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of benefit to be gained from, you know, starting from starting from zero. Like if I was going to plan my schedule now, what would I do? Um, and you know, there's a lot of stuff we, we would do a lot of stuff we wouldn't do. And, and it's important to understand what those things are. Um, because just because you've been doing something doesn't mean you have to continue it. And, you know, that's, that's a powerful thought. <laughs> uh, so, so think about that. And then once you start adding things in again, you know, starting again from a, a blank slate, adding some of these other things, or I guess being more intentional to, you know, put memories in or time for memories, you know, like almost like landmarks in your journey through time in a way. Yeah. This was one of the more fascinating findings is that the people who had the t highest time perception scores we're highly likely to have done something out of the ordinary, something interesting with their time on the day they tracked. I mean, this was a normal March Monday. There was nothing exciting about Monday, March 27, 2017. And yet people were doing stuff like going out to a movie that night or going to a salsa dancing class. I mean, that was on somebody's time log <laughs> or, you know, going to a big band concert. I'm not saying you have to do stuff like that. There was also things just like going for a walk with your family after dinner. But it's like doing something that made the evening more interesting than just, you know, dinner, TV, kids to bed, more TV, you to bed. Like that, we say, where did the time go? What we really are saying is, I don't remember where the time went. Mm. There, was a, there was a great quote I found from, I think it was Alan Burdick, one of his books. Um, but if we don't remember where the time went, Time isn't memorable. We don't bother remembering it. And then if it's not a memory, it's like it's just gone. You know, it's just telescoped into memory, into nothing. So you want to feel like you have more time, 
put something a little bit different, have these little mini adventures and you will remember it. And the more memories you have, the more memory units you have, the more time it feels like there was. Yeah. To have something special. Again, I, I kind of call it like a landmark where it's like, Hey, we, you know, we drove this far and then we stopped here and we remember the place we stopped, you know? Yeah. You don't remember a lot of the driving. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you think about it, like, it, you know, so much of time we do pass mindlessly. I mean, you think about your morning commute. I mean, you're driving the same 30 minutes every single morning. Like you're not using your brain to remember any of it. And I'm not saying you should like, yeah, there's some parts of life that are like purely utilitarian, but that's how time starts disappearing is that so much of it is the same, you know, that every Tuesday morning you have that staff meeting and each one is indistinguishable from the other. So you don't remember them. And, and this is sort of adult life can be sadly like this sometimes. Um, but we can put in different things. We do have some control of our time. So consciously having a mind toward adventure can make life and time seem more vast. Yeah. Well, and that's essentially doing this kind of investing in your own happiness. Investing in your own happiness. I mean, I, why not? Right. I mean, we have <laughs> some control over our resources. We may as well use them in the best way possible. Well, you even talk about figuring out a way to not just, uh, you know, make, make life memorable, but have these moments where you're savoring them, even having like a mini daily vacation, which I think is really appealing. And again, almost seems a little bit like some of what these people who are doing more, you know, reflective time uh, are doing. Yeah, sure. I mean, just go take a walk in a park nearby. Um, go sit and really enjoy a good cup of coffee. Or, you know, if you work in some interesting place, I mean, maybe you get a membership to an art museum that's two blocks away and like pop in and go see an exhibit like, you know, every month or so. I, just have these little adventures in your life that's something beyond the ordinary. Um, and, you know, it's, it's getting outside of our comfort zone. It can be emotional risks, too. I mean, maybe you actually have a real conversation with somebody or you volunteer to do a presentation um, that otherwise somebody else would do or you write something for your local paper. You know, it's just taking these little risks um, it makes time seem more vast as well. Yeah. Well, and also doing those things that are out of the ordinary are great for getting a boost of inspiration or creativity, even if you're not stuck creatively. Yeah. And I mean, we need breaks anyway, and we take breaks anyway. I mean, here's the thing. People are, I yes. don't have time for that. Like your brain takes a break at some point during the day. It may look like you're not really taking a break because you're just checking over at headlines on your phone while you're technically at your desk or whatever, but you're taking a break, like acknowledge that's what it is. And instead of reading these headlines that are not necessarily putting you in anything of a better mood, if you know, you're reading the same news I am, which we live in the same world. So you probably are, um, you know, go do something more, you know, adding beauty to your life in, in some way, shape or form, and, and you'll get better ideas. You'll feel more relaxed. You will feel like you have more time. It also has to do with spending time with others. Yeah, this was a fascinating finding, too. Um, so I was comparing the time logs of people who felt like they had the most time and people who felt like they had the least time. Um, people who felt like they had the most time, the, the amount of people's time perception scores, I'm going to see how I say this, people's time perception scores rose in direct 
correlation with how much time they spent with friends and family. And again, this is a Monday. So it was a work day for people in this, in this study, but we have sort of ways we can spend more time actively engaged with friends and family um, or not. And, and so even people would say like, you know, do evening chores with wife or eat dinner with family. Like they were just more likely to mention that they were including other people in this time or, you know, go for a walk with kids and the dog, um, read stories with son. This is a sort of language that people who are in the hot, high time perception scores was, we're using, whereas people in the bottom weren't, weren't using that language. And, and, you know, people were probably in the house with them. I mean, they had families. Uh, it's just that they were less likely to, to mention that sort of thing or mention, you know, getting together with friends or anything along those lines. So, you know, make time for people. People actually make more time. Sometimes once in a while, I'll, uh, I'll get out of the house to, it sounds like I'm a recluse, but once in a while I get out of the house. Um, I will go to a coffee shop and do co-working with a friend. I'll do it there. And it's helpful because it kind of adds to the push and the pull of the day. Whereas we, one, keep each other accountable for getting stuff done. But two, we also get to pause have some coffee, talk about like the latest movie that we want to go see or that we have seen or something and have that intentional break and even maybe get up and go for a walk. We'll do that too. So uh, that feels like almost incorporating a, a number of these different uh, ideas together. Yeah, that's, that's really firing on all cylinders there. <laughs> it's a, a break that includes physical activity, talking with someone you like, fresh air. Like, yeah, I mean, how could you not have more energy at the end of that? Or certainly you'll have more energy than just, you know, checking Twitter for 10 minutes. Well, and the other thing is, is it, again, it's a, it's a deviation from the quote average workday so that it doesn't feel like all five or however many days of the week that I did a, you know, put in a work day that they were all the same. Yeah. And it's that sameness and monotony that sort of makes time shrivel up, which is a paraphrased quote from William James here. He wrote a lot about time back in the you know, 19th century, I guess, but he, he, uh, or early 20, I forget exactly when it was, but you know, he wrote about this monotony is what makes it seem like it doesn't exist. And so whatever you can do to not have complete monotony, um, will make life seem more um, vast and time seem more vast. And, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with routines. I mean, routines are good in many oh, ways. Yeah. As you know, this as a, as a productivity person, uh, having a good routine is what makes us get stuff done. Um, so I'm not saying don't have a routine. It's just you want to have a good balance between routine and not routine um, and, and figuring out where that might be that optimal point is for getting stuff done and yet feeling like you have more time. Yeah. In fact, breaking the routine once in a while actually frees you up to get more done. And again, feel like you're less busy. Hey, look, I tied it all back around. All so, back around. <laughs> Laura, it's been awesome talking with you. I want to direct everybody to get the book because uh, I just found it was, you know, one part productivity, another part, almost science fiction when we're talking about, you know, time and how we perceive it. So is there any kind of place and or bonuses you want to point people to, to make sure that they hit the ground running with this? 
Yeah. So please, I mean, if you want to pick up a copy of Off the Clock or listen to it in your car on audiobook, whatever you want to do, uh, that would be awesome. You can come visit me at my website, lauravandercam.com. It's just my name. Um, you can fill out the form there and I will send you a time log. Uh, any version of it you want, 15 minute, 30 minute PDF, Excel, why we serve all comers here. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just to give it a whirl, um, start seeing where the time really goes. Um, so you can decide what you love about it, what you don't love about it, what you want to change and what you're just going to accept. And, and there's some, you know, freedom and acceptance as well. I mean, sometimes we just decide that we're going to deal with life as it is. And that's cool, too. But we, we want to have this knowledge because that's what puts us back in control. Um, and that's really about what time freedom is. Awesome. Yeah, we could all use some more freedom in our time. So, Laura, thank you so much for being on the show again. I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I don't know about you, but I walked away from reading this book, as well as this conversation with Laura, having a better perspective on time. But not only that, walking away with a determination to use some of these well-documented skills that these people have who have a better perspective on time, who are a better steward of time. I am walking away determined to put into practice more of these. And that's not to say that I wasn't already doing it. However, being more intentional, being more clarified in my action steps about how to do that is what I'm walking away with. And I hope that you are too. I would love it if you'd let me know what you thought of this episode by going to the show notes for this episode at beyondthetodolist.com slash 221. There you'll be able to hit share and send this conversation to somebody you know that needs to hear it. Would you do that favor for me? Think of that one person that you know needs to hear more about having the right perspective on time and moving more towards Towards feeling less busy, but also getting more done. And with that, I will see you next episode. <laughs>